Welcome to the Second Mile Church Podcast, where we believe deeper friendships, a bigger God, and fuller lives in Christ are found in the Second Mile. I want to just wrap up this Summer Steward, Summer Not series this week, and uh, I want to just open up this final week with some practical ways you can be a better steward, all right? So elbow the person next to you if there's someone beside you, or just kind of jab in your own side because you may need it as well, uh, and say, pay attention. You need to know these things. You need to embrace some of these things. So some practical tips, and then we'll jump into uh, more of kind of what I've got planned for this morning. But number one, embrace the value of self-control. Amazon Prime Days. I'm here. I'm going to stay right here. I've got a brother that may listen to this on podcast later if we're recording. Um, (laughs) Pew, pew. (laughs) I've got a brother that uh, if he goes and gets a sports coat at Belk or JCPenney or Dillard's or somewhere and he sees... 75% 75% off, but the code is still $225, he thinks that's a deal. <laughs> People think differently when it comes to money, right? Yes. I don't see the sale. I still see the $225. Like, where's the sale that brings it to $48.88 kind of thing? <laughs> All right? Um, let's, let's see that happen. And I'll go back the next two to three weeks to make sure that sale keeps going down until it gets to 48.88. That's just me. I'm a competitor in all areas, okay? Unfortunately, it's my kryptonite. I like to win. And if I know, I've told you this story, and they may be in the room. I don't know. The people that sold us our house when we first moved to Wilmington have been coming to our church uh, uh, many times and... um, about, oh goodness, a year after we had moved in, we were talking and they said, yeah, you could have offered us anything at that point. We were just ready to get out of it. (sighs) Competitor, man. What did I lose on? Embrace the value of self-control when it comes to your finances. Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control control. Do you need your nails done as often? Do you need them done the same way every time? Uh-oh. Do you need that $6 coffee? It, you, you used to could probably preach this and say, do you need that $4 coffee? It's $6 now. Do you need that new car? Or can you just get by? Good preaching. I'm already started. So embrace self-control. Number two, save money for three things. You ready? Number one, an emergency fund. You read any advice around, especially financial Christian advice, $1,000 first and foremost. Save that right off the bat. If you haven't done that in your family, today's a great day to just start elbowing somebody next to you and say, we need to start raising $1,000, saving $1,000 for emergencies. And then when you're done with the thousand, you make it a goal as you progress 
for, for three to six months of expenses to be saved eventually. You never know what's going to happen. Things will break, okay? I'm a victim of that recently. So if you need to raise $1,000, sell some stuff. Get rid of the junk. That's good advice, okay? Um, sell, sell stuff, get a second job. I don't even know. Um, they, they've found ways around it now, but there are still coupons to clip. Save money. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, you need to save money for certain, for big purchases, don't just think, man, we, we, we need it, we want it, and I'll just take out a, a little bit of a loan to make that happen. No, you delay the gratification, save some money ahead of time, and not go into debt anymore. It's good preaching. So save money for big purchases. Save money, the, the third thing, for emergencies, for purchases, save money for the future. Invest the right way. I'm about to preach, man. Your $230 a year on lottery tickets is not investing. It is wasting. Hmm. But it helps people go to school. No, what helps people go to school is you investing that money into people that are going to school. You know, your family. But the average person that plays the lottery spends $230 a year on lottery tickets. So when you're investing in your future, it's probably not in things you don't understand, like the lottery. It's typically, Proverbs 24 even says, by wisdom a house is, is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. So be careful what you're investing your money in, in for your future. If you don't understand it, you might not need to do it. I know TikTok wants to sell you Bitcoin and whatever the next latest digital currency might be. If you don't understand it, that's not a wise way to build your house. So invest in your future. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 2 says, give portions to seven. Yes, even to eight for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Spread out your investments if you're in that era of your, of your financial life. So if you're investing in your future, don't invest in things you don't understand. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and don't try to get rich quick. 1 Timothy 6, 9, people who want to get rich, get rich, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and what? Destruction. Proverbs 13, 11, he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. That's, that should get an amen from all the little by little people. <laughs> we understand what it means to make it last and grow. So when we talk about investing, I just want to throw you some numbers out 
that uh, if you invested $5 a day at 12% in five years, that's $12,250. $5 a day, I'm just thinking of even cheaper than a, a coffee a day. Maybe it's, we'll get to that, fast food or whatever. If you invest that $5 a day at 12% in 20 years, it's $148,388. And in 40 years, it's $1,764,716. You see the beauty of investing the right way? So another, another tip in this financial stewardship is do the debt snowball. Keep paying minimal pay, minimum payments on all your debts. It's good practical stuff this morning. Pay off the smallest debts by doing everything you can to increase those monthly payments beyond the minimum payment. Proverbs 6, 5 says, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. If you've ever listened to Dave Ramsey, he's all about going gazelle, what? Intensity. Intensity. Okay, from this scripture right here, that you do whatever you can to free yourself from the hand of the hunter, which is your debt. So pay off the smallest debts as fast as you can while keeping your payment, minimum payments of the other debts going on. You'll begin to see the debt snowball begin to take place. Another financial tip, online purchases are your worst enemy. That cardboard box with that tape on it that says Amazon comes to our doors many, many times throughout the week. Online purchases can be your worst enemy because you just click and it shows up and the money runs away. The product shows up and the money runs away. You need to hear that over and over like it's torturing you in your mind while you sleep at night. I'm just kidding. The product shows up while the money runs away. Online purchases are your worst enemy. Another tip, online purchases are your best friend. Did I, did I win some of you back just then? Why? People will say, do online grocery shopping and you will save money and still have food in your house. It's true. You walk through the grocery store, you're going to buy stuff you don't want, don't need, and you just get it anyway. So online grocery shopping can be your best friend. Cook at home. Say, preach, pastor. Cook at home. It will save you some money, a lot of money if you're a fast food eater or just eat out during lunch every day. So I want to throw you a couple of resources available. Crown Financial Ministries is a great ministry out there to, if you want to look it up, to help send you some advice and get you on a path to a different financial place that you might currently be at. Ramsey Solutions, Dave Ramsey, I listen to his podcast all the time and, and some people, he's one of those you either love him or hate him, Right? He speaks the truth, and, and sometimes it's harsh in the process, but um, he, some of his principles are, are truly helpful. So you got Crown, you got Ramsey, and among those same group, you've got Hall, okay? Where's Charles Hall at? Yeah, over here, okay. 
Uh, Charles has done uh, financial small group, uh, managing your money, and um, has also told me he has that available and could send that to you, all 10, 12 sessions of that, so that you can do that study on your own. And so reach out, Charles, I want to wave your hand over here, uh, and, and so if you want something very practical, um, who's done that study with the halls. Yeah, a couple of you. Yeah, looking good. Um, so ways for you to increase your stewardship uh, and, and really increase the way your finances are being managed. Um, so let's jump in a little bit. I want to hit this last topic this morning. And it's one of our, our core values here at Second Mile Church. Generosity is our privilege. As long as generosity is defined by how much is given, whether what is given is time or talent or treasure, then the heart behind true generosity will be missed. If generosity is always determined by how much is given, the heart of generosity will be missed. True generosity is giving from the heart and obeying God. It's not about how much or how little. It's an attitude that simply longs that to meet the needs as they arise. There's three statements I hope you would write down or, or maybe just take a mental note. Generosity is our privilege because compassion for people overrides frustrations with their actions. Generosity is our privilege because compassion for people overrides frustration with their actions. There have been times where I personally have refused to give money to something or somebody because their actions frustrated me. Now, I understand we can't save the world. And we also can't give money we don't have necessarily. But be careful avoiding being generous because you're frustrated with someone's actions. Second statement, generosity is our privilege because we can never assume that the people who should be generous are generous. It's your privilege, it's my privilege to be generous because we can never assume that the people who should be are. All right? The third statement is this. Generosity is our privilege because what we have doesn't always limit what we can do. Psalms 41, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. Psalm 119.36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Being generous. 
Studies have shown that those who come from a lower financial status tend to be as much as 44% more generous than those who identify as coming from a higher socioeconomic background. Other studies show that people who regard wealth as less important have a greater sense of empathy toward other people, a stronger sense of moral judgment, and lower rates of depression. Uh Uh-oh. Money isn't everything. It's not to say wealthy people are evil. Rather, it, it is the desire for wealth that tends to distract from one's overall sense of mental and emotional health. Money will come and go. Can I get an amen? Amen. Faster than sometimes we want. But it's not the defining character in our journey. It can be a road to many destinations. But it should never be the destination. In a a book written by Chesterton called A Miscellany of Man, among the very rich, you will find a really generous man. Even by accident. They may give their money away, but they'll never give themselves away. Can I say that again? Among the very rich, this author says, you'll never find a really generous man. Even by accident. They may give their money away, but they will never give themselves away. And it's a principle I want you to understand this morning from Luke chapter 14. And then Matthew chapter 6. Luke chapter 14, verse 12 says this. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid for it. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So I want to teach you a little something this morning about generosity from Luke chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 6. It it clearly says... If you, if you make the mistake of inviting relatives and neighbors and, and, and people that you know have, have some type of relationship with you and have the capacity to want to repay you, that is your repayment when they invite you back to something else because you invited them to the first thing. Pretty interesting concept here in Scripture. And it's not so much who we invite, how we invite. It's, it's trying to teach us the heart of generosity here. That are you only inviting the people that have the capacity to pay you back in, into your life? Or have you invited and opened up your life? I'm not talking about your wallet. I don't even have it. I thought that was my wallet. That was strange. I'm not talking about your wallet. I'm talking about your personal space. I'm talking about your life, your day-to-day, your week-to-week. Does your, does your life be consumed with people who have the capacity to return the payment back to you? To give you what you give out to them, no matter what that looks like. 
Because generosity, according to Luke 14, living a generous life is, is becoming aware and very intentional to have people in your life that can never repay you for what you could pay them. Give without seeking anything in return, Jesus is trying to tell us here. The law of the kingdom is this, that if a man gives to gain rewards, he will receive no reward. But if a man gives with no thought of reward, his reward is definitely certain. The only real giving is that which is uncontrollable outflow of love. Matthew chapter 6 helps bring this point home a little bit more. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others truly I say to you they have received their reward when they go around bragging about what they've done that was my added to to explain that but when you give to the needy do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, we could go and figure out right hand, left hand, but if you're giving with your right hand and God's word says don't even let your left hand know what's happening, why are you telling everybody on Facebook? Not only did you tell your left hand what your right hand was doing, you told the whole world. And the Bible says that's your praise. That's your reward. You, you took it straight from heaven and turned it into something, to something earthly that it will be corroded by rust and moth to be destroyed. Your reward was just given to destruction because you took it away from heaven, heaven's ability to do it and to give it to you. It's, it's clearly trying to speak to the heart of generosity. You cannot expect to be paid twice. If therefore you take your reward in the applause of men who give you high character of your generosity, you cannot expect to have any reward from God. The Lord warns about, against hypocrisy and an outward show and religious duties. All deed must, deeds must be done from an inward principle that the doer may be approved by God, not praised by men. When the doer takes least notice of his or her good deeds, God takes most notice of them. To sound one's own trumpet today is to flaunt one's own good works and accomplishments. Generosity is our privilege, and it's none of their business. I added that. Might need to add it to our core values. But I truly believe if we're going to live in the spirit of generosity in this 
the fact that God has been generous to each one of us in some form or fashion. And we're to respond to that by being generous to other people and meeting needs of, of the people around us. It would be so wise of us to build our house on a generosity that is only done in secret. Because it's so easy in this day and time to somehow want someone else to know what we're doing. It's the culture we live in. I, for example, I enjoyed a ball game with my kids last night. Why did I think I needed to post that on Facebook? I don't know. It's the culture we live in. Did, did I receive my reward? I, I'm not saying that was a, a generous thing at the moment. But that's the culture we live in is to somehow, some way, get accolades from people. And can I tell you, if, if that's the adults in the room, can you imagine the culture these kids are going to be raised up in? And if we don't begin to train and teach our children by modeling what true generosity looks like, I'm not sure generosity may, will exist anymore. Or it will certainly exist, but the rewards will not be in heaven. We will always want, want them on earth. Over the past few, few weeks, I've promoted a book called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. And in that book, he shares a story that I found the video to um, about his generosity. Now, he makes it even clear in this video that this story is from years ago where he, he even says, I, don't, I didn't share this story for years, but the Lord gave me freedom to share this story years and years later so it can help other people understand generosity and hearing from the Lord about what it means to be generous and who to be generous to, what to, be, what to give to, and how to give, when to give. And so Pastor Robert is sharing a story before he was pastoring a church. He was doing ministry as an evangelist, going to different churches uh, and, and just preaching at different churches along the way. And we pick up that story here. I stopped it and made it start over so you didn't know what the guy told him across the top of that check. No, I'll tell you what he said. But I had to end the eight-minute somewhere, eight-minute testimony somewhere. God wants to teach you something about giving and generosity so that you can teach your people along the way. Will you stand with me this morning? Can you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And can you say this out loud? Could be in a whisper. Could be as loud as I say it. 
I can't outgive God. It's that simple. We cannot outgive God. In this particular story and testimony of Pastor Robert Morris, you saw the tension of human humanity and spirit. But you also saw someone stiff arm and earthly reward because heaven had already prepared a heavenly reward for him. Now, heavenly rewards don't always come that fast and they don't always come in that way. It could be when we get to heaven, but that moment God had already spoken to that man hours before to write that check for 10 times the amount that was given away if obedience took place. And so today, with your head bowed, eyes closed, will you just ask God to teach you something about generosity? God, teach us something today. God, I pray that from the pulpit to the pew, you would teach us something about giving. God, that you would challenge us to, you would show us who to give to, when to give to it, and how much to give in the process. This week, God, I pray that you would open up opportunities to test us and the generosity that we're called to live in. Could be financial giving, could be time, could be the, tr- the talent that you've given us that we are to give in different areas. God, do it today. Teach us something about generosity because it's our privilege to be generous. In Jesus' mighty and holy, precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, text YES to 910-537-5773. We have some tools to help you on this new journey. If you would like to know more about Second Mile Church, text CONNECT to 910-537-5773. Thank you for going the second mile with us, and now it's time for you to go the second mile in your life.